When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Flowtrack Podcast. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Kicking off the Olympic previews today. There's so much to break down before things get going in the track and field action in Tokyo that we're going to start with some field events, some marathon talk today, then ease our way into the track events next week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in on YouTube. Remember the show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 a.m. Central. Although during the Olympics, Gordon, we're going every day and we're going early. Are you prepared for the early days of Tokyo? I am not sure yet. Uh, I'm, it's going to be even earlier for me because I'll be spending most of the Olympics on the East Coast. So I'll be extra one hour earlier, uh, be at the beach. So be Olympics in the morning, beach in the afternoon, Olympics again at night, then all over again, repeat. So I'll be fine. I mean, I'm already, I already struggle to wake up enough as it is, so be no different. It'll be the same. How are you feeling about your Bucks, man? Your Bucks won. Bucks and six. Bucks and six. They did it. Uh, as you know, a longtime Bucks fan, I did not jump onto the bandwagon at the beginning of the playoffs. This is something that's been deep in my heart for many, many months. So it's good to see. Good to see it all come to fruition. Congrats to the actual Bucks fans out there. By the way, uh, it's been a while since we've done sixty seconds of Sixers. I feel like yeah, we'll st- that that se- that segment went away. I did text you. Uh, people should know when I was on paternity leave, I really didn't reach out to you at all. You didn't reach out to me, you know, because I was off and you were doing your thing here. The one time I texted you, it was a one sentence text about a potential Ben Simmons trade, and you responded with a one word answer, and that was it. And then we just went about our business. It was it was perfect. It was a perfect interaction. Exactly. Uh, before we get into uh, previewing the Olympic Games, I do. There was we gotta do another Shakari Richardson uh, segment. She mm-hmm. was, she's being featured on a Beats by Dre commercial that runs during the NBA Finals. That is about that features Kanye West's new song. She's already the banner image of Beats by Dre <laughs> on their Twitter account. Mm-hmm. She has been she clearly is transcending track and field and it's going to be, you know, we talked about Cindy McLaughlin. Is she gonna get like those crazy sponsorships? She's gonna be like able to become a superstar in a track and field sport. Shakari is doing that before our eyes right now. You have the Nexus of NBA Finals, Beats by Dre, and Kanye West. That's pretty That's pretty powerful in terms of its influence in pop culture. All three of those things colliding, and then you add into it Shakira Richardson. When do you think that they filmed this ad? When did they do this ad? Well, they probably filmed it 
between her getting banned and it going up, right? I mean, the the filming of the ad isn't like it's like a one shot film. It's not like it's a Steven yeah. Spielberg commercial. It's just close up shots of her getting into her blocks. But yeah, I mean, I think the whole Olympic trials dominance, then the ban has put her into a, a stratosphere that no other track athlete has really ever been to except mm-hmm. for Usain Bolt. I mean, you, I don't th- I don't think Michael Johnson was this big. Was Michael Johnson this big? I mean, it's kind of hard to compare because it was a different the era. 90s and there's no social media and it's a little different. But it just feels like this is different. And she is like, look, she's taking photos with DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. She has really that's a good photo. I'm human. She she her her own tweet is on the back of one of the great wide receivers in the NFL. It's just like mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. She yeah. is it's, I, it's awesome. I I think it's great, and that's why I think that as much as it sucks for her not to be able to go to the Olympics, this is actually is a blessing in disguise because her fame and stock is just going skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's transcended track and field fame. We talk about that all yeah. the time. Who, who's actually somebody that people follow outside of the sport or who's not necessarily results dependent? Because if someone goes and they win multiple gold medals at Olympics or they do it for a couple Olympic cycles, then people are going to know them in track and field and maybe a little bit outside of track and field because they'll think, oh, that's that that's that person who was on on my TV a couple of years ago winning a lot, or they had this interesting backstory. With Richardson, when you're getting ads like this in prime time, when you're appearing with people like she's appearing, it's clear that it's a Shakira Richardson thing, like credit to her. People are drawn to her story, her personality, her exploits. It's not just like, oh, she's the best track and field athlete, so she's gonna fill this role for a couple of years and then we're gonna plug somebody else in. No. What she's doing isn't really replicable. I mean, I'm sure people will try, but it's not replicable. She is, as the young people say, Gordon, one of one, I think. And because of it, because of that, that's why she's in these ads. That's why she's getting this attention because of all the things that we talked about. Would love to have her in Tokyo racing. And then you mentioned before, we were talking last podcast about sponsorship opportunities for her. She's getting beats by Dre money. I don't know. I don't know if she's worried about other sponsorships. I think she could be pretty picky with which ones that she chooses going forward if she's getting this level of uh, of ad money. That's true. I mean, I'm assuming they pay a lot. Yeah. Maybe Beats by Dre is notoriously stingy. Maybe they <laughs> do not give you any money. But I'm assuming if you're going to get Kanye West, if you're going to do it during an NBA Finals game, one of the the biggest sporting events of the year, a deciding game, then you're going to have some money and you're going to choose the athlete that 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 sticks out to you. I like the way the ad was done too, and the tagline and everything. It was very. I mean, it, it clearly wasn't overproduced. Kanye West Instagram page. Does he only have two posts? He, he must does. delete the posts. Does he, he delete his posts does. as he goes, or is he two in history and one of them is his Kanye is his uh, Shakira ad? That'd be interesting. That'd be a choice. I think he deletes it. He's really big on making his social media all unique and craziness. So, gotcha. There we go. All right, let's go to this Olympic preview, Gordon. And we should mention rankings are up on the site, and we'll fold that into what we're talking about with these previews. So 
I went through, I broke down every event. I did some deep dives, but you can also throw in Gordon, your rankings and what you think will happen in each one of these events. I don't want to get into your 200 meter rankings right now. Cause it's just going to take me off into a tangent because they're just completely insane. Um, cause we're going to stay focused right now on women's field events and the marathon. And we'll, t- we'll maybe jump, jump around a, a little bit here, but, um, before we do that, tell me about how the rankings came together and anything that jumped out to you. Uh, well, first of all, I remember I talked about how I spent. Remember the whole time last time I did rankings was like I went. I stayed up to four a.m. Well, I didn't stay up to four a.m. Four a.m. this time making okay. these rankings. Uh, but it is. It's interesting. It, whenever you do rankings, it's a constant reminder of how diverse our sport is, with mm-hmm. so many different disciplines, so many different events, two genders. I mean, I had a rank. 450 athletes. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. 20, 20, 45 events, top 10 each. And it just kind of reminded me that, like, who is watching all 45 events? I mean, we are we watching? I guess we do yes. because we're full track. But, like, the average, not just non track fan who's watching the Olympics, but track fan. Like, who is interested in? The women's 200, the men's 5K, the women's uh, discus, and the men's decathlon. Like, who is interested in all four of those combined? Not many people. And it just, I don't know. It kind of is like, it felt like this sport, uh, I'm going on a little tangent, but it just reminded me, it's like, I feel like I'm the only one in the world who knows what's going on in all 45 events because no one has the time to follow 45 different sports. Like that's literally what you have to do. You have to follow 45 different sports. Yeah. Following one sport is hard enough. It's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. But, but like you don't need to be an expert though to enjoy it because especially around the Olympics, you jump around literally to different sports. You're not a year round gymnastics fan, I'm guessing, but you're going to probably watch some gymnastics here or there or you're going to catch a basketball game, or you're going to watch some swimming. So we watch it because of the moments, because the pressure, because of the stakes involved, right? You don't need to be a crazy discus fan to remember when Robert Harding of Germany would rip off his jersey at the end of the competition and run around the track. Those are those are crazy. Or Rio 2016, La Villanie getting booed, getting booed during a pole vault competition <laughs> because the Brazilian fans were pulling for De Silva. That's the stuff that that sticks with you because it's just sports in general that we're so so drawn to. So does doesn't mean you need to be an expert in all of them, but everybody's interested in them. And I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to give some nuggets in each some of these events, Gordon, to get people into it. So if you haven't been paying attention to the javelin or the discus or the marathon, even I'm gonna try to uh, try to rope you in here over the next 50 minutes. Uh, do you have a preference on where we start? Yeah, I just want to tell people we'll start. You you can decide, but today's pod is going to be women's field and marathon. Uh, Friday's pod is going to be men's field and marathon, and then the two pods next week on Monday and Wednesday will be uh, women's running events, men's running events. So mm-hmm. that's the plan. Four pods, four previews, four hours, the Olympic Games. Four hours minimum. 
We might go minimum. longer next week. I think there's a chance yeah. we go longer because when you dive into all those running events, there's there's so much going on. U.S. top line, when I look at women's field events and marathons, a lot of chances for medals. And 30 has always been the number that the U.S. success has been measured by. And you can argue, hey, is that just a completely arbitrary line or is it significant of something? can have that debate at a later time. But the U.S. could pull in a lot of different um, medals from different events and starting in the in the field events is is no different. I mean, they have a shot in a lot of these to even in some cases win multiple medals. Does it always work out that way? No. But if you're looking at it in the aggregate, you could have a situation where the, the women's field events does pull in a bunch for, for Team USA. Let's start with with the high jump, and we, we can pull up your rankings as we go. So this is the women's high jump uh yaroslava mahuchik second in the 2019 world championships she's got a 2.04 personal best but she's jumped 2.06 indoors just 19 years old she comes in gordon as your top seed you see the rest of the top five there but hiding down there in seventh is maria lasaskine competing for the authorized neutral athletes out there she has won three straight world titles. Uh, she has a 2.06 PB. She's only jumped two meters this year outdoors, but I think she's hiding a bit in plain sight when it comes to, to this women's field. An interesting thing in general in the field events, well, I guess you could say track events in general, because of restrictions on travel, it was kind of hard to get a good picture and get a lot of head-to-heads this year. So some of these athletes only competed in country and they probably competed in lower tier competitions. So it's a bit more challenging to to sort out, hey, is this person ready, but they're just not competing in diamond leagues because of they don't want to mess with travel, or are they good to go, or are, are they in trouble? Are they uh, a lesser form of themselves? So you see the the top five, top 10 there, Vashti Cunningham, of course, leading the way for, for the US, but what do you think of this women's high jump competition? Well, I, I want to dive into, you said how it's kind of hard to read the regular season because it's not as much cross competition. Yeah, in some of you need, but like, like in field events, does that matter? I mean, how much does the field that you're jumping against or throwing against matter when it comes to your personal performance and what it means about where you're at, you know, skill-wise? Because I don't think... I think that only really matters in distance races. Maybe a little bit in sprints, but like there's no sit and kick high jump. But there's pressure involved. It gets put on you when another competitor puts a big jump out there that I think is relevant when you talk about the Olympics. And in the case of something like the discus, which we'll get into later, of course the conditions matter a whole bunch. Javelin as well too. So that's why that's why I bring it up. Now Again, it's not at every event. It's not every athlete. But I just noticed it going through some of these profiles. Some people never left their country. They just stayed in Australia or they stayed in Russia and they just did their event five or six times. And they are good enough to get mentioned, but it, but it wasn't like they had a, a full complement of Diamond League meets to, to compare against everybody. Not, not everybody. That wasn't the case with every single athlete. But it did happen quite a bit. Yeah. From an American's perspective, when I look at the women's high jump, I think Vastai is a solid medal contender. 
I have her ranked third. I think she is capable of winning, but I think she would need a perfect day and need one or two of the women to kind of have off days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she has proven, she has consistently shown that she can be, you know, a 198, 199, two meter jumper, which I feel like if you can do that consistently through the entire regular season, when you get to that ultimate pressure point of a world championship or an Olympic Games, you got to be able to just, I think that two meters becomes the barrier for meddling. I don't think we'll have four four women jump over two meters. So if you, as long as you're one of the three that can jump over two meters, I think you will win a medal. That's a great point. And I, for all these, I put in the percent chance that the U.S. can medal. And with this one, Vashti obviously is the the big hope for the U.S. And she could get gold. That's a definitely a possibility. But Mauchik, Lasaskine, McDermott from Australia – it's crowded there at the top. So I have their medal odds right now, the Team USA, at 50%. So it's basically – that's a Vashti Cunningham pick, basically, a 50% chance that she she gets a medal. Lower chance, obviously, to get a gold. But she's she's once again in the mix. Remember, she got bronze in, in Doha. She got her PB this year, 2.02. 50%, that might be a little low now that I think about it. Maybe it's 60 65%. But it is, it is tough when you're talking about you only have – you can, your, 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 your options are first, second, third if you're trying to medal, right? And if you have somebody already that you feel really good about, like Mahuchak up there, okay, it's the rest of the field for those two spots. So 50% is still pretty high considering the numbers. Yeah. And, I mean, she, is the, she did win World Indoors in 2016, which seems like forever ago. But she has been able to do well at international competition. She dominates the U.S. competition. And I think she, I think she's gonna find a way to medal. I have her third. I feel like she'll finish third or second. Okay, Gordon's pick there officially. Wait, are you you're just going off your rankings, correct? So you're gonna go Mahuchik, McDermott, and Cunningham. Yeah, I'm gonna live by my by the, rankings. I'm gonna live and die by my rankings. By the way, Australia solid across the board. Another takeaway from this. So if you're listening in Australia. You need to you need to be tuning in here to the women's field events. They got they got people in in a series of events that could make some noise here. Let's move on. Women's pole vault. Uh, Sidorova, another authorized neutral athlete who won in Doha, four ninety five PB. But the story here, if you're a U.S. fan, is Katie Najat, Sandy Morris, that duo, seeing if they can get gold, perhaps gold silver. Najat has five of the eight best vaults in the year, Gordon. She's been really consistent. She's also vaulted 495. She's won a couple diamond leagues. Doesn't have the championship success yet, but her season's lining up for that. Sandy Morris, silver last three outdoor championships. She's got the American record. She's vaulted five meters. Then you have other people like Holly Bradshaw, Nina Kennedy of Australia, and and Stephanie in the mix. But you look at Najat season. If you want to make a pick of somebody who's been consistent, I think you got to go with Najat. Yeah, hundred percent. Najat is this is her this is her moment to kind of take over. Like when you look at the women's pole vault on the U.S. side, it was Jen Sir, Jen Sir's, uh, and everyone else. Like she kind of dominated the field for the U.S. Mm-hmm. and then kind of Sandy Morris took over that mantle the past four or five years. And I think I feel like Najat is primed to now 
take over Morris. Morris still hasn't lost anything. Morris is still going to be a factor the same way Jen Sir was still a factor during Morris's dominance. But I think Najat, I mean, you look at look at that. She's jumped 495, 493, 490, 485, 484. And Sandy Morris has only done 484. So she's been consistently jumping. She's having a dominant season the same way Mondo has been dominant in his pole vaulting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if Morris can recapture the, the five-meter form, obviously she's going to be tough to beat, but you have to like the consistency of Najat. I put U.S. metal odds here, Gordon, at 85%. 85%. Too high, too low? I feel like it's higher. The odds Pump that both Najat and Morris don't medal finish 4-5, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I would say they're at like 90, 90% chance. 90% chance there. Are you... Sidorova, because she won the last global title, you got to like her. Bradshaw for Great Britain, she's been consistent as well, too. She's finished top four in the Diamond League five times. This year, she was fourth in 2019. She's been knocking on the door, right? She's got five top seven finishes at major. She's always, she's always, always, always in the mix. Stefaniti. Someone who's always around. She's the defending Olympic champion. Um, that's a. Those are those are going to be tough, tough people to see having a bad day. But again, if if Najat can get into the four nineties, then we know where this is headed. And don't forget about Nina Kennedy, another Australian. Another Australian so. who, by the way, to my point earlier, she hasn't. I looked this up. She hasn't vaulted outside the Australia since twenty eighteen. So 19, 20, 21, all of our competitions have been in Australia. So wow. interesting to take note just to see what she does. I mean, she's got a 482. Again, I think, I think, I think Najat, just with all those 490s, you have to, you have to like her consistency this year to, to recapture it. You know, maybe Bradshaw can, can sneak in and, and get a bronze, but, um, it's a good mixture in this in this competition between new people coming up, but also a lot of experience, a lot of people who are trying to get that first medal, trying to break through at the global stage. Let's go now yeah. to another one where I have 85% odds for the U.S., 85% chance. Women's long jump. Women's long jump, 85%. Now for the U.S., headlined by Brittany Reese and Tara Davis. You have Chantel Malone as the top-ranked person on the flow track rankings. Uh, Daria Klashina, uh, Malika Mahambo of Germany, who's the reigning uh, world champion. You have Issa Brume of Nigeria, who's the world leader. Quinesha Burks of the U.S., who was third behind Reese and Davis in, um, in Eugene. Those are all the big names. I'd be surprised if someone medals off of your, off of your top list there because – you have someone like Reese, who's just so solid. <laughs> she has five outdoor golds, silver in Rio. I mean, the most underrated American track athlete, I think, of this of this current era. But you have Malone number one. I'm guessing just because I mean she's gotten over seven meters this year, which doesn't put her doesn't separate her too much from everybody else. But I'm guessing just the volume of competitions with her. Yeah, volume of competitions and. When you look at uh, comp- uh, events where there's wind involved, whether it's sprint or jump, 
Mm-hmm. You kind of want to see, all right, what type of tailwind are they getting? Are they doing these types of jumps into a headwind, and how consistent are they? So yeah. she's jumped over seven meters four different times. It was all in the U.S., and they're all in low-key meets, right? It was, yeah. you know, one was in Miramar, Florida. She had two, she, and then three. Chula Vistas, w- yeah. Two, two Chula Vistas. Uh, so you kind of want to – the the only uh, concern I would have for her is that all of her seven meter jumps have been earlier in the season, and when she went to like a diamond league, she jumped six sixty five and finished mm-hmm. fourth, and that was in uh, in Italy. Now, I think a lot of these Americans, when they're going to the diamond league, it's like just really not. She's not American, but she's U.S. based. When uh, they go to overseas, the whole COVID stuff and like. It's just like a one you hear once and you leave. They're not really in the the mode of putting together mm-hmm. the best performance because uh, you know there's so many other factors. But when it comes to the Olympics, I feel like the travel for Olympics is just going to be a different animal. You're going to get there a lot earlier. You're going to be more right. settled. You're going to be more focused. That you're not just here for an appearance fee. So I don't think I want to hold that against her. I have her. I think it would be an upset if she were to win. But I just had to give a little more credit to four different, you know, seven meter jumps. And not many other women are doing that. So between those to top that. women, Brume, no diamond leagues this year. Reese, no diamond leagues. Davis, no diamond leagues. Malone, one diamond league. Out of the first four women of the year, they've competed combined in one diamond league. Here's another thing to consider. You know how popular the new Diamond League format is for the long jump, where they get the top three and then they do one jump and the best jump wins, and people have been complaining about it relentlessly since this was debuted. They're not going to do this in the Olympics. But here's where it gets interesting when you actually dig into the results. Malika Mahambo, who, again, has not had the same season she had in 2019. She jumped 730 in 2019. Her season best this year is 692. And you look at her record, and there's some losses on it. She's got some second places in the Diamond League, three of them. Well, two of those losses came when she would have won ordinarily, but she essentially lost that six-round jump off to Spanovic of Serbia. So if you're looking at wins and losses and you're saying, okay, well, wind readings, track conditions, those are kind of making it difficult for me to figure out who's the best. I want to look at who's been racking up some wins. Mahambo has more losses than she should actually have if this was under – the regular rules. Now, again, it's not like she's jumping out of the pit here. She's jumping 690s and and 680s. But those would have been two more wins, and then she'd be going in, I think, with a better in a better position because you'd say, okay, this 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 person's won won some diamond league competitions. Just something to keep an eye on when you're when you're trying to figure out who's going to win this thing. Um, what do you think about? I like the Reese and Davis dynamic. I think it's really cool when you have you know, the, the new Old guard and, and the, the, yeah, yeah the, 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 and that well, and Reese is still so good. She's still so good. And again, she ran off all those gold medals. What do you think about that matchup? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Brittany Reese still being good is great for, for Tara Davis because, um, it allows her to not settle and be like kind of complacent 
every time she because if Davis is coming off uh, NCA season where she's just destroying everyone, right? And she's kind of like you kind of get that that cocky vibe. I'm not saying she's cocky or anything, but like you just get that uber confidence. You're like you come in day in and day out, and like hey, I'm the best whenever I step. And then she goes to USA's and she loses to to Reese. And I think that little is like all right. This ain't NCAs anymore. This isn't the Big 12 championship. This is a new level. And to be able to compete against Reese at the Olympic trials, I think sets her up well for the Olympic Games because she knows, like, all right, I went toe-to-toe with Reese. And there's no one else who's really going to really – there's not, like, 20 other Reeses at the Olympic Games. There's maybe two or three right. other. So you're she's more prepared. So I think when she competes at the Olympic Games for the first time, I think she's – it's going to feel more normal to her because she'll be like, all right, well, I, I already, I've jumped against Reese before and she beat me, but you know, I was, mm-hmm. I was with her. As long as I'm near her, I should be a medal contender. And I, that's what I think yeah. we have right here. I have them getting second and third. Um, the more and more I think about it, the Malone pick, I think it might not happen. I'm starting to fall out of love with my own rankings, but I just had a, <laughs> go by what I'm going by, and I'm I'm putting her up number one. Hey, upsets happen, and maybe this is the one yeah. upset that the rankings success successfully predict. Yeah, well, you have someone like Spanovic in ninth, and I get it because of the mark she's put out this year. But then you know she does have the win- wins. Uh, you want to put asterisks on them? You can, but she was at least in the she's in the mix in all these diamond leagues at the very least. You can you can say the long jump rules are not fair and don't reward the best jumper. But someone like that I could see popping up there as well too. I think I think this is going to be a real fun competition. I have the U.S. chances at 85%. What do you think of those? Too low again? Too high? That's I'm too counting low. on Reese or Davis. I think I'm counting on oh, 90. Sorry, I was off by 5%. I'm counting on Reese or Davis to pop a big one. They're too good. They're too talented. Reese has too much experience. One of those two is going to come through and and hit something big. Yeah, I think women's pole vault, women's long jump, both have potential to get us two medalists. So USA might collect four medals in that situation. I'm I'm excited to look back on all the events before the Olympics actually start. Once we to kind of project yeah. what our potent, like you said, our potential. The, the U.S.'s potential uh, medal haul, um, it could be way over 30 the more and more I look at it. I'll give my official number on our final one on Wednesday once I total all these up. I'll take all my percentages and I'll put them up. It'll be like when people predict NFL schedule, like when every single yeah, game. Over-unders. And then they end up – Yeah, yeah. Well, no. no they, they predict every single – and it doesn't like equal out to the right, right amount because they have like every team like going 9-7 and seven or something. That's how it's going to be. There's just not going to be enough medals for how many I predict. No, I just think in a competition like the Olympics that's very unpredictable, you have to have more than one way to medal. If you're just counting on one person, that could go against you a lot of times. So if you have two people and one of the people is a proven championship uh, competitor, you like your chances that one of them is going to go through um, and get a medal at the very least. But yeah, gold, silver is definitely... Possibility too. Tara Davis could win gold. Brittany Reese could win gold. Those, obviously, those are not bold picks if they happen based on what both of them have done throughout their careers. Let's stay on the jumps. Triple jump now. 
triple dropped. Yulemar Rojas, big favorite. Big favorite. She got the top five marks of the season. She's only seven centimeters off the world record. So if you're on world record, watch Gordon. Make sure you pay attention to this one. She only has one loss on the year, and that was to Shanika Ricketts in Monaco when Rojas actually had the better jump, but because they went to the final jump. What's what's that called? What's that thing called that they're jump definitely going to get rid of for next year? But it's the sixth jump. I don't know. Golden jump. I'm not sure. Um, this is Ro- this is Rojas's to lose. Um, if you pull up your rankings here, we have uh, Povea of Cuba, second. Ricketts, as I mentioned, of Jamaica in third. You have Katur Orji of the U.S. in fourth. She was the trials champion, but fifth in Gateshead Diamond League, fifth in Monaco. She was fourth in Rio in 2016 so she has the experience this year but in diamond league she has not finished in the in the top three but it sounds like you're counting on her to to get it down here and get a bronze yeah uh two jamaicans ricketts and kimberly williams i have both in the top five um triple jump really is one woman and then everyone else like you said if you look at mm-hmm. put this up on the screen it's just the visual of seeing Rojas, 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 Rojas. It's like Krauser in the chocolate. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mondo in the pole vault. I, I really don't see her losing um, in any way, shape, or form. It's going to be a battle for second and third. And I think, you know, Katua Orji is in the mix. She's going to need to put together a really good um, sequence because – Orgy, while she's she's not in the 15-meter realm, not many women are, she needs to be able to – she hasn't been really consistently in the high 14s, right? She jumped 14.92, and then her next best jump – I'm not sure if you scroll down, Travis, on, the, on, that, on that page. Her second best jump behind the 14.92 is – keep going. There it is, 14.57. And so – you kind of think, all right, well, you kind of hope that she had a couple 14.7s, a 14.8 here and there, 14.6. But I, when from talking to, to Carl Lewis during when I was filming the Houston series, and he was talking about the long jump, and he says, you never look at who has the best PB. You look at who has the most consistent average because people can always one-off jump something anytime – day or night but the question is can they consistently do it like Mm -hmm. if you they need to be able to he's more impressed with a lower pb that happens more often than a higher pb that only happens once and Mm -hmm. so the key to really jumping is seeing who has consistently put up a higher pb yeah um so are you you putting more weight are you putting more weight, not just in this event, but all the other events, on a trials result versus a, like a Chula Vista result where a lot of these field event performances come from from the U.S.? No, I'm not. I'm not really looking at where it's happening. Okay. Because it might be something it's, to consider. It's, yeah, but it's, it's COVID and also like not everyone has an Olympic trials. Like is doing well at, your, at the Greece National Championships the same as doing well at – the U.S. national champions. So it, you can't, like, give USA athletes 
an extra like super event that they get to compete in that non US athletes get, you know? So I had to kind of pick and choose factors that should or shouldn't count. And I chose location and event not counting. The only thing I did sometimes do though, is I would look at 2019 worlds. Cause that's like the most recent, everyone there was there for the same reason type performance. But I didn't look at it that strong because 2019 was two years ago. So as much as, hey, you won last time, it was two years ago, and you could be a completely different athlete then. So I liked Rojas's comments about the new jumping format in the Diamond League. I try to understand the benefit of this new competition format, and I also am curious to know who created it. It does not make any sense. It is very absurd and ridiculous. That's a very diplomatic well, I can tell way you. to put it. It's pretty funny. It's basically they're trying to create prelims and finals. I mean, does anyone get mad when the person who got second in the who who won the prelim but gets third in the final? Do, they don't get mad. Like, yeah, but I won the prelim. That you know, that's basically what they're trying to do. They're trying to. They're like well, instead the final having, is the. Well, no, because the, there's prelims and finals in like the trials and the Olympics. But they're the, trying to turn the, the individual six jumps into prelims and finals. You have your prelim yeah, and then the just, final. It's solving a problem that doesn't exist is what it's doing in that, in that, cause it's a diamond league. It's a diamond league competition. You're already down to a small amount of people. Just let them yeah. do the regular jumping format. It doesn't, I'm all for doing innovative stuff and tinkering and trying new stuff, but it's clearly not working and nobody likes it on Rojas though. It's I will say this. None of the other women we mentioned have jumped 15 meters. Rojas has done it 10 times. So she can just basically go to a place that other people can't go to. You know what they you know how they can fix the horizontal jumps at the Diamond League? Treat it like the treat it like the pole vault. Put a line. Hey, you get three time three attempts to jump over this line. Okay. <laughs> Next round. Put a line a little farther away. You get three attempts to jump over that line, and treat, that's we're there. that's what keeps you competition. Then people slowly get eliminated. Like pole vault for nine has hours. that. No, I mean you can do it in pole vault. You can do it in <laughs> jumping. What's the difference? Yeah, pole vault. Doesn't well, take but I'm nine just saying hours. what. Yeah, but it's different. I just don't get what the point is. You're eliminate like these diamond league fields are not that big, so you're eliminating seven or eight people having another jump it doesn't and then you're ignoring all the jumps that came before i just think if you can win it on your first jump in the olympics you should be able to win it on your first jump in the well the, the, the main league. problem That's is awesome. world athletics is trying to make the diamond league better and you're not going to make it better the way to make the diamond league better is to delete it and create something completely new like well it's it's like trying doing up, stuff it's at trying the to like yeah it's like, hey, Which stop trying good. to work on your Windows 95 computer and update the fonts and the different, you know, apps here. Mm. You just need a new computer. Get the new MacBook. That's what they need to do. And the new MacBook mm. would be four majors. You started with an ad for Beats by Dre, and now you're on a MacBook reads. This is this is good. Gordon desperately wants a sponsorship for the podcast, by the yeah. way. Throwing time, shot put. Li Gong of China, two best throwers of the year. She's the 2019 and 2017 world champion. She was fourth in Rio, silver in 2012, bronze in 08. 
I think we could say she is the the big favorite. Although you got the veteran out there, Valerie Adams, 36 years old. She was the 08 and 12 champions, silver in 2016. She actually won every major championship from 08 to 13, had a nice little run. She's got a 21-24 PB, but that was from years ago. 19.75 is her best mark of the year. I think the U.S. will be in the mix for medals here. I put them at 30% chance with uh, Jessica Ramsey, who has the second best throw in the world this year. She ran 20.12 at the trials. Raven Saunders in there as well. And she ran 20.12 at the trials. Damn, she got some fast she went 200 speed. She went 20.12. She went 20.12. It was the 200s are fast. The 200s are fast this year. <laughs> uh, Oriel Dongmo of Portugal, 19.75, and won the Gates at Diamond League. I want to mention, but I think Gong is so solid. This is the scenario that I was talking about before. You basically have two medals available here. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I'll be pulling for Valerie Adams. I'm a big Steven Adams fan. The, you know, OKC Thunder legend of Steven Adams trying to turn some the NBA podcast. Uh, but maybe a future Yeah, sixer. Valerie. You, Simmons oh. for Adams. Who says no? Valerie says no. She's like, no, we're not doing that. I, I can't, I can't have that on our, my family name. Anyway, uh, yeah, Valerie, she's the one who's been around since forever. I mean, you mentioned yeah. all the way back to 2008. Um, I thought I, I thought she kind of was falling off, but when I looked at the regular season marks, I was like, okay, she's still consistently putting up some some good throws to warrant a, a top three mm -hmm. finish. The question is, will the Americans have be able to have one person – have that one throw, right? We know Ramsey's had yeah. that one throw. Ray Saunders has had that one throw, and they both did that at the Olympic trials. But that's all they've had. They've had that one. They haven't been able to consistently yeah. throw well. And basically, you have three Americans, which is three shots, liter shots literally, of having that one throw. And if they do, they could easily get second in this competition. Um, we saw Michelle Carter win it in 2016. So anything can happen. Um, I, I the, the question is, will we have it? Right? Will they have? Mm -hmm. Will they we we resort back to the norm, or will they find that edge case and be able to give us like a 19.9 or even a a 20 flat? You never know. So to your point, to your point, Ramsey doesn't have a 19 meter winning throw this year it's 18s and then it's the 20. yeah not to say she can't do it but that just that kind of kind of shows you how special that competition was for everybody in in eugene you see it there yeah 1882 in qualifying and then what her next best one would be the 1878 at music city yeah it's interesting to see the the, the big throw versus consistency what's going to win out but i think gong has been so rock solid this year that i'd expect her to roll discus discus is interesting um valley alman of the u.s gotta like her chances american record holder trials champ she was second in the doha diamond league she was seventh in in 2019 sandra perkovic reigning gold medalist then you have yami perez of cuba who was the 2019 champion who's looked good top throw of the year uh, Van Klinken 
of Netherlands, who you have ranked third. Now she's another one who it drops off a bunch after her first throw. Her best throw, 70.22. Her second best throw, 65.8. So I definitely took that into to consideration when looking at this event, just the the big drop off there. But Perkovic is interesting because she's been around for forever. Almond's got the second, third best throw of the year. Perez is the reigning champion but and been really solid. Bunch of top 10 throws. A bunch of top 12 throws. Wow, Perez has like five in the top 12 this year. I think I'd go with Perez if I had to pick. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Alman is the favorite, um, in my opinion. And I think Van Klinken is kind of low-key. Uh, could be a surprise. She competed at Arizona State this year. So she's been through the NCA system. So she's had yeah. some like consistent championship style meets with, you know, Pac 12s, indoors, outdoors, all that stuff. Um, but I think Allman. That's a big drop off, though. That's a big drop off, though, to go from 70 down to 65. I mean, the 65 hey. is the 20th best throw of the year. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just looking at the whole picture here. Go ahead. Sorry. All takes is I interrupted one. All takes is one. Yeah. That's true. She's done it once. She can do it again. Yeah. How dare you interrupt me during my discus talk? Oh. Um, Sorry. But yeah, I, I think I think Allman is going to win. I okay. I would only put it. I think it's actually. I would actually put the U.S. chances of meddling in this less than the women's pole vault and the women's long jump. But I mm -hmm. think Allman's going to win. Isn't that weird? Well, I have. The metal odds at 35, just because after oh. Allman, it drops off. Well, no, it's no, no, no disrespect to her, but you could see a podium where it's Perez, Perkovic, and and somebody else. And there's not a the second. Who's the second best American here? Like you'd have to go pretty the, far down the list. Yeah, non-existent. No, it would be no, a big upset. That's what I'm saying. Nah, it got, it, she's going to medal. It's like a 50% chance she medals, not 30. Come on. Okay. I don't know. Okay, you're arguing with my percent. I had 35, not 30. I had 35. All well, right. Yeah, add 15% to that. 50% is pretty – 50. I mean, that's a big – I haven't I ranked number one in the world. The Gordon rankings did not get factored into my percentages because you did them at, at 4 a.m., and these were done the previous day, so I did not. Put them in there. Hey, hammer. Here's one for you. You want a high percentage? Ha women's hammer. 95% chance America medals here because the U.S. women are a hammer powerhouse. They have 11 of the top 12 marks of the year, led by Deanna Price, who has the top two marks, 80.31. She's a trials champ. She's a 2019 world champion. You have Brooke Anderson up there, who has three of the top six marks. Gwen Berry, who is third at trials. She's thrown 77 meters. But there's someone looming here, Gordon. And it's the world record holder, Anita Walarczyk of Poland, two-time Olympic champion, six global, sorry, six gold medals total. Uh, 82.98 is her world record mark. She's only thrown 77.93 this year. But I just don't think you can discount her. Again, though, the chances of the U.S. meddling in this event are extremely, extremely high. Yeah, I mean, we could see a potential sweep here. I mean, it would be very hard because, mm -hmm. again, Anita, I don't know how, I'm not even going to attempt to say her last name. Willarczyk. 
is that one athlete who can just break up the Americans. You see, literally, it's all Americans, and then they have that one uh, Polish performance back in only June 30th. So it's a recent one. It's not like it's from mm-hmm. April or, or March or whatever. Uh, yeah, Price, though, she's been super dominant. Anderson has always been right on her heels. Gwen Berry, she has the international experience and at one time was throwing as well as what Price and Anderson are doing. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be a USA cakewalk. And I could see I think a sweep could happen. I, why not? Yeah, let's go with it. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll go, go with the sweep. Gwen Berry is the, the only edge them. case because she hasn't been as consistent with her second and third best throws. Here's the reason why you shouldn't count out Wolarczyk, and I know this is an all-time thing. It's not a focus necessarily on the 2021 season, but 19 of the 21 best throws in history are Anita Wolarczyk. 19 of the 21 best throws in history are Anita Wolarczyk. Now, the people breaking that up, one of the people breaking that up, Deanna Price with that 80.31, that American record. But Wolarczyk is is you know absolutely really, really solid. Now, from that group of throws that I just talked about, most of them are from years past. The most recent one yeah. is a 2018 throw. So she'd have to recapture it. But she's thrown 77.9 this year. Maybe she bumps that up to 78. Maybe Price and Anderson have, have an off day and she she gets the gold. But I think 95 might even be too conservative for U.S. medal odds in this event. This might be one of the highest ones of the entire meet, U.S. Women's Hammer. You going with 99? I thought you Wait, said- Kevin. Kevin, yeah. are you going with yeah. 100%? Are you going, going with the house? house? I thought that's- <laughs> you going with the house that no, U.S. women nothing- will at least have one medal in the hammer throw? Come on, do it. Not, Double down on the house. No, not, Get a second. I'm gonna property. do my. I'm gonna do my official. My official biggest U.S. medal lock prediction on our last show, and this one is the candidate from this group. So every event group that we do is gonna have at least one candidate, and this is my one for, for this event. Because how do you, how do you pick against that 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 trio? It looks really good. Now you could say, Muhammad McLaughlin. Cockerel, like what would need to happen for the U.S. not to win the Formula Hurdles to medal? It'd be something insane. So that one will be in the mix, obviously, as well, too. But yeah, Women's Hammer, uh, rock solid here. Let's go to the Javelin. We got three events left, Javelin, Heptathlon, and the Marathon. Let's put those Javelin rankings up. There they are. You have uh, Christine Hussong of Germany and then Maria Andrzejczyk of Poland, one, two. Then Maggie Malone, number three for the U.S., who, by the way, Broke her own American record this week. So she's in good form. Uh, Liu of China in fourth. Victoria Hudson of Austria in five. And then Catherine Mitchell of Gordon? Australia. There you go. In there in in six. Also, can't can out Kelsey Lee Barber of Australia. Another one who was the 2019 gold medalist. She hasn't done well this year. Only third in Oslo, but... She could be in the mix. Also, Barbara Spikadova of Czech Republic. She was gold in 2012 and then bronze in 2016. She's a veteran out there. But I, I think I agree with your rankings. Hassong's been really solid. She was fourth in 2019, but has five of the top nine marks this year. Here's the thing with – so 
I have a feeling that, you know, a lot of times the field events are underwatched and underanalyzed and uh, not as people know these not names today. that you're listing. Not today. Not today. I'm sh- you've been listing off like five different names and I'm sure a lot of our viewers and listeners don't really know who these people are. But here's why this podcast will be not just informational for you, but profitable. You can gamble on the Olympic Games. And I plan on gambling $100 in every track and field event, all 45 events. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put $100 down and try to come out on top. But there's going to be some really good odds on some people who – like the odds makers don't are also not in the same book with knowing how the women's javelin throw is going to go. And being able mm-hmm. to recognize that Christine Husong of Germany is a very likely candidate to probably win – like they might put Maria Andrzejczyk as the favorite because she has the best mark, but we mm-hmm. know looking at this list, odds are whose song is probably going to win. That'll be worth putting your your hundred dollars down on to make a couple bucks, provided you live in Pennsylvania or wherever state you're allowed to do it. And I have a cousin in Pennsylvania, so he's gonna be gambling for me all all week long. Um, but yeah, so I suggest. You find a way to get a little extra cash on hand and go off of these don't rankings. And uh, I am not responsible if you lose, but I am 100% yeah. responsible if you win. So yeah. that's that's how it's going. Oh, and in the chat says $100 on each event, they're paying you too well. Yes, they are paying Gordon too well. So the reason on Andrew Check, the reason to be skeptical here, 7140, but her next best throw is 6363. Uh, she was second yeah. in both um, – the Monaco and Oslo Diamond League. So she's solid. She's solid. So I wouldn't I wouldn't count around. I wouldn't bet a hundred bucks on this personally. But they maybe need to check good... the uh check that Depends javelin. Maybe she was throwing like a nerf javelin, you know, with that whistle. Remember the little nerf ball footballs, that little arrow and a whistler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what yeah. that's what she was doing at the European throwing cup. You're saying it's that a is Marietta such an outlier. Georgia Look at this track. That is such an outlier. She has that one mark. Everything else is 65, 67. The rest of the regulars. Yeah, she definitely. By the way, did you see? That was a nerf javelin. Did you see that they went back and looked at the Alex Wilson 100 people on the internet and and concluded what the time was using screenshots? Oh, did they figure out what the time was? He had a thread and, and he quote tweeted some other people into the thread. I think the conclusion was 10 3. Like you can literally see the clock. And the clock matches up to the second and third place times in the video. And then you look at his time and it looks like a 10-3. People, I, people can go in down that rabbit hole if they want to, if you look at PJ Vizel's uh, uh, Twitter. But um, oh, they it's took no it longer off. there. Yeah, it's no longer there. I got update. I think rankings. the rule is World <laughs> Athletics' rule is uh, if enough people tweet about it being suspicious, it just gets taken down. There's a certain engagement metric it hits, and then it just doesn't count anymore. Fair enough. I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's left? Oh, heptathlon. Heptathlon's super Tathlon. interesting. So here you have KJT, Katarina Johnson-Thompson, 2019 champ, and Nafi Thiam of Belgium, who's the Rio champ. They've dominated this event since 2016. But they haven't done a multi-event competition this year. Johnson Thompson only has two results just in general. 
But you have to like their chances just because they've been so good in major competitions. Then you have uh, the U.S. presence here. Annie Coons, Erica Bogard, Kendall Williams. They're solid. They're absolutely solid. Annie Coons, 6703. I looked it up, Gordon. 6,700 points has medaled in every single heptathlon competition, world championships, and Olympics except for one in history. So if you get to 6,700, you're going to be in a good spot. Most cases, you get to 6,600, you're going to be a good spot. So I think that bodes well for for Team USA. The big multi-event competition that happens every year outside of the major championships is in Gutsies, and that was won this year by Xenia Christian. So I think you got to give her some some credit here and and put her in the mix but when the big dogs haven't done it yet this year i just have a feeling that we don't really know what to expect from this event so this would be one that would be very risky um to be too confident about christian you know she she put up 66 51 at goatsies which is good but that would have been behind all three americans at the trials yeah the Multi-events, like you said, hard to calculate. You got to look at, you don't do as many. It's not like the 100 where you're doing it like six times in a year. You're maybe doing it Mm -hmm. one time every two years sometimes. Um, But I like, I I still, I like, still like uh, Johnson and and the Belgian athlete, uh, TM, time, TM, TM, TM. They just have the most experience. I think Kuntz is ready to take the next step into like her performance at the trials was like good at an international level. That's like, okay, this, she has a chance to get near this or repeat it. She can be in the medal contention. And I'm going here now. I think this is another high likelihood that US will medal. And, but they're only yeah. going to get third. But I have them three, four, five. I think one of those three. The best American is going to get third. Um, I don't see the croissants of Hungary or Schaefer of Germany beating all three of the Americans. So um, I think the top two, the Johnson Thompson of Britain and uh, Theum of Belgium are locks to most likely finish one, two in either order. But I think an American mm-hmm. will find that third spot. I have the percentage at 50 because I'm not as confident in both of those two. I think in terms of internationally, KJT and, and TM, I think it's a heptathlon, crazy things happen. So I think one of them could come through, but I think there might even be two available spots there. I can be proved wrong. They can just go out there and blow it out of the water like they have in previous championships. But I think there's enough questions around it to where I feel good about there being a 50% chance that one of those three US women, because they're solid, one to three. It's not just all on one woman's shoulders here. All three are going to be solid. We got a question here in the chat about Gittens. Do you think Gittens, Tyra Gittens, Texan M have a metal hope? Uh, I mean, yeah. I think it can happen. Um, but 6418. 6418 at SECs. That's her PB. Uh, is she even in the I thought she was only entered in the long jump. I have her right here in the, let's see. Oh, you're right. She's not entered. 
So I do not have not it as a metal hope. Yes. Here. So there exactly. you go. <laughs> Just in I the chat. Okay. So yes, I, I thought that was right. Yeah. I'll put her. I'll put her metal hopes at zero. In the there you go. Multis. Good. But if you're you asking sure you about the long there? jump, well, no, but maybe maybe they want to know about the long jump, which is what six ninety six this year. Six ninety six. Yeah. I mean that. There's a chance. There's a chance. 696 obviously is is solid. I just – man, it's just hard to see between the, the women that we mentioned, Davis, Reese, Mahambo. You like Malone. Brume has been solid. Spanovic is experienced. It's going to be hard, but I think that there's, there's certainly a chance. 696 is, is – it's not out of the equation. Um, let's see. Oh, Akili says she did not get in because she didn't qualify because of World Athletics not liking the NCAA. So. Why? There you go. There you go. He also says it's pronounced TM. There you go, TM. I think he's talking about the point the point value. Point value. So, oh, uh, okay. Sarah, yeah. yeah. Quality. Okay. She didn't uh, – Sarah and Owen both bring up that KJT is coming back from a ruptured Achilles and – She's not guaranteed for a medal. There you go. Also, Sarah says the Americans dropped out of Gotzi's and Kuhn's lead after day one and no marked in the long jump. So I think, you know, as you mentioned, Kuhn's, this might be the beginning for her. 67 might be a jumping off point, not a career highlight. Yeah. One more event to go. Dude, the chat knows well about these. Yeah. Thank you, chat. Dude, the chat woke up. The chat woke up for the multis. Just wait till Friday. We're talk about the, we'll start with the decathlon. Let's do that. Let's put a pin in this, Gordon. We're going to start with the okay. decathlon. I know the temptation is going to be to start something else. We're starting with the decathlon. Get the chat rolling here. We got some pronunciation guides, which are appreciated as well. Uh, marathon. Okay. The story here, Kenya, Ethiopia, obviously. Bridget Koskai, the big favorite for Kenya. She's a world record holder. She won London last year in the modified London Marathon. She looked good in 2020. Ran with Safan Hassan in that one-hour race that she got disqualified for later. But she's been doing some non-marathon distances and performing really well. She ran the Kenyan Trials 10K where she got six, which is no nothing to be ashamed of if you're a marathoner. Kenya also has Ruth Chebnigich, who was the 2019 world champion. She ran 64.02, world record in the half. April, Jep Chircher, who hasn't run in 2021, Perez Jep Chircher, but she won uh, Valencia in 2020. Kenya, I think, has a chance at a sweep here, which is – not really breaking news. Ethiopia obviously would be solid, but if you're just looking at resumes, the cause guy, Chep Negic, Chep Chircher, one, two, three, is is stronger than the Dereje, Berhani Dababa, Tijes Gurma, one, two, three. Listen, though, it's going to be a tactical championship style race, so we have to throw that caveat out there. The sweep will be hard. I think Kenya obviously has the personnel and the talent to do it. It's just a matter of on that day, are they able to put together a – is the race going to play to people like Cosguy's strength? Which I think Cosguy's good enough to where it won't matter. Chip Negic has obviously done it in less ideal conditions, namely Doha 2019. So I think Kenya can do it. I'd put their over-under, though, at like 2.5 medals. I feel like you're forgetting about I, – I know – I. The, Talking about Kenyan sweep, Ethiopia has a great one, two, three. But I really think the Israeli athlete is the one who could break it up. Yeah. 
And uh, she was, you know, she has run, she won the Tokyo Marathon in 2020. I know hmm. it's not the same course as where they're going to be running this one, right? It's because they're not running the Tokyo mm -hmm. Marathon course, right? So I know it's they're not the same, but the last time there was a major marathon in the country of Japan, she won. She ran 217.45 in that race. So she's mm -hmm. able to handle the conditions, if anything. I'm not sure. Well, maybe it was probably different weather. But, you know, I, I feel like that means something. And she has a great mark. I think she could break up the Kenyan trio. Yeah. Um, and uh, she has a good time. Walk. 217 is, is no joke. So it's not like it's like a, a fake 223, 224 type mark. So. She'd be the one. Now, also with Sal Peter, should be mentioned in 2020, she won the Israeli title in the 800 and the 1500, uh, as well as the <laughs> 3000 and the 5000. She ran every event at their championships. 206, 206 in that 800. So solid speed there for Sal Peter. Yeah, you look at the countries that have the one, because you, you, you do want to be careful that you're not just de defaulting to Kenya and Ethiopia in these marathon races. So you want to consider people like Sal Peter. I just think you got here, you have a woman who's run 214 in Cosguy, and then you have Chepnegetz and Jep Chircher, who have been great in the marathon too, but also have these ridiculously fast half marathon PBs. I think it's going to be tough for anybody to, to keep pace. In terms of metal odds for the marathon for the US, I have it at 5% just because the, the field is, is, is really good. The field is really good. And people can say, well, maybe, you know, if this, it was a diff, if it was a different team or they did the trials this year. No, it was going to be hard regardless. It was going to be hard regardless. So you got Chulimak, you got Seidel, you got Sally Kipiego. Again, in a championship setting with the weather being weird, you can't really count anybody out here for it. But I think 5% is, is about right. Because it's going to take a lot of things going the U.S.'s way to to medal. Now, I will tell you, I think it was back in 2012, I did the odds for every single medal event. I was writing for my own blog then. And I had women's steeple at 1%, which was tr true at the time. But then like four years later, <laughs> it's like you don't even think about a world where Emma Coburn and Courtney Ferrix aren't, aren't in the mix. But just you have to take – my point is you have to take every field individually and in this field is really going to be tough i would think five percent high i would be like one percent or like 0.5 percent i just don't even see any scenario where you know there's an open spot for a medal like there's no galen rupp on that women's team i mean yeah. literally there isn't a galen rupp but like there's no one who's who's like consistently been able to show that they've been able to compete at the international level. I mean, Molly Seidel, she's only run, what, one marathon, and it was against Americans. So Sally Kipiego, yeah. but she's kind of on the twilight of her career. And Alfie Tulemuk is coming off of having a kid. So there's not like that. You might be a little more confident in Alphine if she was like coming off of like consistent training and like was just coming off that, you know, running a bunch of road races. But they're not, it's not, no, no, no one is a hundred percent. So, I mean, maybe they're a hundred percent, but like, they're not like running, coming off of finishing top three at a major, like none of them are doing that. So I would look at it. Yeah, I'm looking at the results. 
I'm looking at the results for this year. Tulemuk 32-43 on the 4th of July in Atlanta on in a 10K. Uh, Seidel has run a few times. Again, you know, she ran she ran pretty well in London, right? After the, the trials, she ran that 225 last year. But this year she's run two half marathons and a 10,000. Um, but this is the case with everybody because of how the world is right now and the limited racing opportunities on the road that it's tough to, to get a read. Kip Diego ran a 15K and a, a 10,000. One of the sound running events in thirty-one thirty. Yeah, it's going to be tough. The path, the path is some of the favorites go out way too fast, or drop out, or the weather gets bad, and the whole race gets mucked up, and other people take advantage of. Which we've seen in the Olympics before. We've seen in the World Championships before. It would not be the first time something like that happens. But I, I put it at, I put it at five percent right now. So when when I was it. when when you when you analyze the marathon. And you see how many Ethiopians and Kenyans aren't going to be worthy Ethiopians and worthy Kenyans aren't going to be on the Olympic, like in the Olympic marathon. It's just like ridiculous. Like mm -hmm. there, if you were to include Ethiopia and Kenya, like as be as many as they want, th most of the countries would finish like 50th. Like, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, the marathon is that one event where there's just a super dominant countries in Ethiopia and Kenya where this one three per country turns uh, I am 90th best in the world to all of a sudden I could be ten, top 10 in the world. It's, like, ridiculous, in my opinion. Women's More than any hurdles. other event. Women's hammer no. throw? No. Like... You, well, you're lumping two countries together, though. You're saying no, no. Kenya and Ethiopia. That's a, if you could do a two-country combo in every single. Okay, no, event, I'll take one country. With... Okay, I'll just do Kenya. I'll just do Kenya. You you okay. can take the the thirtieth best Kenyan, right? If you take like the thirtieth best Kenyan and put them yeah. take give them the third spot on the Kenyan marathon team, that yeah. Kenyan Which would finish top ten. That Kenyan would finish top ten. The thirtieth yeah. best. You take the thirtieth best American. Uh, hold on. And now put I'm them curious. on. You take the thirtieth best curious. American and put them on a, a marathon team. They're not going to finish top ten. No, 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 no. I'm not saying American. I'm saying hold on. I'm going to look up the thirtieth best men's uh, hundred meter runner. Actually, Travis, are you still there? Oh, I can get it. Because I'm actually curious about this. You're saying top ten? Yeah, the thirtieth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll, do, I'll I'll look it up. 30th best 100 meter. No, I got it right here. I got it right here. I got it right here. Uh, I'm going to get it right now. So, right now, uh, 30th best 100 meter runner in the U.S. was was a tie, actually. Jalen Bacon, 10.12. Marcellus Moore, 10.12. Brian Henderson, 10.12. I think 10.12 would get you top 10. That's basically no. saying semis. 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 Those guys okay, can make semis. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, was, you All right. came up with a good point right there. That was a good point. You did you you did have a good little retort to my my rant right there. Well, but you know what I'm trying to say. I'm looking at the women's formula hurdles, which I think is going to be different because the 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 depth is crazy. But thirtieth, uh, yeah, fifty seven, fifty two. That's tough. All right, we'll leave it there. 
fun episode. Hope everybody enjoyed the field event and marathon preview on the women's side. We're going to do the men's field events and marathon on Friday, and then we'll be back next week on Monday and Wednesday to do the running events. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching live. If you did on YouTube, remember you can subscribe to the Flow Track Podcast YouTube channel. Thanks to Colt. Thanks to Travis. Thanks to Gordon. We'll talk to you guys on Friday.